This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. Today at Nebraska Christian Schools in our studio, we have Thad Mott. Welcome to the program today, Thad. Thanks, Gordon. It's great to be here. Thad is at Grace University. In fact, Thad, tell us a little bit about your position. I know at one time you were the head men's coach and athletic director and did a whole lot of things at Grace, and but you've narrowed kind of your focus at Grace. So tell our listeners a little bit about your position now. Yeah, I came to Grace in uh, 2000. I was the dean of men and the men's basketball coach and did that for five years and then transferred over to the athletic department and was the athletic director and taught and a health and fitness center coordinator and men's basketball coach. And then in 2009, when the economic downturn kind of happened, my position was actually cut. So spent about four years in the remodeling world, just paying the bills and got a new president, Dr. David Barnes, just a year ago. And he approached me in December and asked if I would come back, be a part of the athletic department. He created a new position called the Director of Athletic Advancement. And basically, we're adding two sports next year for the 13-14 school year, women's soccer and men's baseball. And then the following year, track and field, golf, tennis. And we've actually thrown around talking about adding football and wrestling to our program. So he's asked that I come and be a part of that. Also joining the NAIA division, so adding scholarships to our programs. So in 14-15, all of our sports programs will have six full-ride scholarships to offer athletically. So it's really neat to be a part of that and to be a part of that expansion. Tell our listeners a little bit about where Grace is located in the history. I assume many of our listeners do know, but some may not. Grace University is in Omaha, Nebraska. It was founded in the 40s, actually as Grace College of the Bible, basically as a Bible institute to train pastors, people that would be in the ministry. And then in 1995, so fast forward 50 years, it became Grace University. And they added things like teacher education, business, psychology, English, So started adding majors that were outside of the Bible, became more towards the line of a a liberal arts college, but never lost their Bible degree. And so every student that comes to Grace University gets a double major. They get a major in education, but they also get a Bible degree. So very unique in terms of its ministry and its ministry focus. Yeah, expanding. We've got about 500 in our enrollment right now. We're hoping to grow into that thousand range. We're adding things like online courses, emphasis on degree completion. So maybe someone that's gone to college but never got a degree, we're adding emphasis into there, into those areas. And then obviously with our undergraduate sports programs, we're hoping to boost our enrollment. Thad, you talked to our students this morning about John 15 and one of the temptations and dangers of of sometimes trying to be a Christian without the power of Christ and then getting separated from the vine. You know, why is that such an easy temptation to fall into society-wise or age-wise for, for our students? You know, I don't think it was ever one of those things where it was cognitive. I don't think I ever said, made a decision that I'm going to start dependent upon me and not upon God. I think it was very subtle. If you think about just a one degree shift in the direction that you're going over a period of time of years, of four or five years, 
all of a sudden you end up in a place that you never really intended to be, that you didn't say, I'm going to travel to that place and, and get away from God and start depending upon me and not upon him. And all of a sudden I just realized I was in that place. I, I was in a place where I was devoid of his spirit. I was devoid of the things that he gives, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those things were no longer present in my life. And yeah, I think that once again, it's just that, that subtle shift and all of a sudden you ended up to places where you didn't intend to be. With that, let's join Thad Mott with today's message. Today I'm going to be talking about Jesus's last words. In a, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm trying to, you know, try to paint a picture of what he was talking about. But it's lessons from the vineyard. The last words of Jesus to his disciples. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about how that reflected in my own personal life. So we're going to kind of go down a story of what happened in my own personal life. And then where do we go from there? So if you can close your eyes with me. And I'm going to try to paint a picture. So close your eyes and, and picture yourself in the upper room. And there's Jesus. And we're eating together. We're feasting together. And he breaks the bread and serves the wine and says, this is my body and this is my blood. And, and really the disciples are kind of in a confused moment right now because they're looking at their king and their savior and we're going to go conquer the world. And he's saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And we get done with this and the betrayer leaves and there's only 11 of us now, 12 with Jesus. And he says, we need to go now. And we get down off the upper room and we're we're down walking in the streets of Jerusalem now. And there's 12 of us together. It's nighttime. It's dark. And we're walking to the Mount of Olives. We don't really know where we're going. And Jesus takes us along the streets. And there's really no light. And there's not really much going on in, in the city right now. It's dark and everyone's in their home. And he leads us to the Mount of Olives. And we get there and we get to the vineyard. And these are the words that he says to you and I, to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. For if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. And as Jesus said these words, he went and prayed and departed. And came back and found the disciples asleep and said, Can you not even pray one moment? He went off again and prayed. He said, Father, take this cup from me. And brought it back to the disciples. And they were asleep again. And at that moment, the crowd came. A large crowd with Judas leading them. And what's Peter do? He takes out his sword. 
And he says, we're going to battle. And he, and he slices off the servant's ear. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 time out. This isn't the, the picture that I have for you. Heals the servant. And all the disciples scatter. These are the last words of Christ. So you can open your eyes now. I should have warned you that if you're like me and close your eyes right now, some of you may have fallen asleep. So we didn't want that. We wanted to try to create a middle picture of you being there with Christ. On the mount, in the, in the vineyard, as he's talking to you, and he's telling you the story. Now, we painted that picture, you're there with him, and hearing the words of Christ about the vineyard. I'm going to tell you about my story now, and then we'll come back to that, how that related to me personally. My story is still redemption. I was a young adult, uh, going to college, playing basketball at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, and I was in the civil engineering program. And so my first story starts with no one had ever graduated from UNO playing basketball and in the civil engineering department. So I got a civil engineering degree. So my coach came to me and said, you can't do that. And I said, well, I, I really want to do that. That's where I want to go in life, and that's what I want to pursue. That's why I came here. And he goes, well, no one's ever done that. I said, well, I'm going to be the first, and I'm going to do that. So my eyes were fixed, and I was going to play basketball, and I was going to get a civil engineering degree. Well, there was a little road bump there in the middle of that journey because between my sophomore and junior year, I got introduced to the gospel, and I never heard the gospel before and responded that to, that to that gospel. And so my junior year, I started reading the Bible and started getting excited about what Christ had done on the cross for me personally and started uh, reading his word, but really didn't start asking the question, God, what do you have intended for my life? Where do you want me to go? And so graduate, got to my senior year, graduated civil engineering, but realized that really isn't the path that I think that God has intended for me. So stopped doing that. I actually graduated, but got a second degree in education and taught five years your favorite subjects, chemistry and physics, and also coached. That was supposed to be a joke because that really wasn't most everyone's favorite subject. But coached basketball for five years. And then got into ministry again at the second level, uh, came to Greece University and was there for 10. And so 15 years of my life in ministry, pouring out my soul to young people. And in 2009, during the economic downturn, Greece University said, hey, we're going to cut four positions. Well, I was the athletic director. I was the health and fitness center coordinator. I taught and I was a men's basketball coach. So going into that spring, I'm like, there's absolutely no way they're going to cut me. <laughs> I'm doing all these things. They came to the spring and said, Dad, we're going to cut you. And I was like, so confused. I mean, it sent me into a tailspin. I'm like, I've given everything to this college and to, to minister the gospel, and you're going to cut me? I, I just, I didn't understand, I didn't comprehend. And so went into that springtime, and looking back now, I placed that on God. I said, no, God, you cut me. <laughs> you said, I'm not worthy. I, you're not, what you're doing and what you have done doesn't equate. And so I didn't verbally do this. I didn't cognitively do this, but I chucked God. I said, you know what? I've given my life for you, to serve you, to live for you. I'm going to begin a path of doing my own thing. I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. And so I made about four major decisions there that were purely based upon me and what I wanted to do. 
the first decision was is I went into residential remodeling. I said, I'm not going to coach anymore. I've coached for 18 years. I'm not going to minister the gospel anymore. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm just going to go make a living. I'm going to go and, and start remodeling. And so I started doing roofs and driveways and doors and windows and kitchens and bathrooms and did all those things. And it left me empty. I would finish one job, I would go to the next. And do a nice job, do the best of my ability, I'd finish that job, make some money, and pay the bills and go on to the next one. Well, I got about halfway through that and went, this is bizarre. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm good at it, but I'm not supposed to be doing this. I, this is not fulfilling at all. I was empty, had no joy in my life. So what was that thing? It was basketball. I need to be coaching and teaching basketball. So what I did was, I said, if I want to coach at the next level, because I was at Grace and I wanted to be kind of at a higher level, I need to get my master's degree. Well, I was working full-time. I've got a family. My father lived with us. Getting my master's degree on top of that was you know, just an accelerator program as well. I did it 16 months. It was by far the most difficult thing that I've ever done in my lifetime. Uh, I would never ask or tell anyone, uh, advise anyone to do it, because it was by far the hardest thing, like I said, that I've ever done. Went through that program, got done in the spring, so I started applying to these basketball positions. I applied to 25 positions all across America. I mean, in Maine, Florida, North Carolina, Missouri, Wisconsin. Do you know how many replies I got back from those? Not a one. <laughs> Not a one. I didn't, there, there wasn't a single email back, there wasn't a letter saying, hey, we're interested in you. I felt like I had a pretty good resume. During my time at Grace University, coached seven or eight All-Americans, had a national player of the year. We won a national championship. I had a 62% win percentage while I was there. I coached for 18 years. Felt like I had a pretty good uh, resume. Got my master's degree in leadership, okay? Spent 16 months of my life trying to get this thing. Not a single response, okay? So, story of redemption, come to know Christ, I'm going to live for you. A story of pursuit, I did that for 18 years. A false reality, I started doing all these things, thinking about cognitively anyone that would have looked at my life. They would have said, oh yeah, the steps that you made were very logical. I was a very good remodeler, and I had remodeled five homes completely from start to finish. There wasn't a thing on that home that I did not touch. Why wouldn't I go into business and do that? That makes sense. You want to become a basketball coach, go get your master's degree. Makes sense, right? I'm going to go do that. Got that completed. You want to become a college coach, you've got a great resume, you got everything going for you. Why wouldn't any of these colleges at least be interested in not being the top running for any of those positions? Why? Because I realized I was doing it for me. And God was clearly communicating to me some things. Okay? And I was doing things based I thought were right. And so I come into that springtime, that summer, this was just about six months ago, August, September, and, and into October, and I went into a funk. <laughs> I went into such a deep funk that uh, I went into places that, into just personal depression. I went into debt big time. I've got a family and kids. My wife stays at home well, with our children. It's on me. I'm it. If, we don't, if I'm not making money, I'm not paying the bills, we're going under. And I started spiraling down. And I called a really good friend of mine. And I said, listen, you've got to give me some time. You've got to help me out here because I'm going to, I wasn't 
like to the point of suicidal. I didn't think of taking my life. But that would have been the next thing. There was no other way that I was going. I, I was depressed. And he came and he gave me a little book. And it was called Secrets of the Divine. And it was this passage that this person had written about and was speaking to me. I had no joy. I had nothing. Why? Because we'll investigate here a little bit in John 15 and what it tells us. It says, I am a true vine and my father is a true vine dresser. Every branch, listen, in me. Every branch in me. These are talking about believers now. Jesus isn't talking to the unbelieving world. This is talking to you and I. This is talking to who I am. If you are in me, if you're a believer, and you do not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. Why? So it can bear more fruit. Well, I was definitely in a state where I was bearing zero fruit. I had no fruit in my life. Now, once again, if you looked at me, you will look at me in the outward appearance, and I had a nice-looking vine. But if you go to a vine that's just growing wild, what does the vine do? Does it bear a lot of fruit by itself? No, it doesn't. It grows big leaves. It grows big vine. But is it bearing fruit? No, it isn't. What's a vine need in order to bear fruit? It needs a vine dresser. And that's what Jesus is in you and I's life. I had a ton of pain in my life. I had a lot of failure. I had Satan was eating my lunch. Okay? And what this author pointed me to was is there's two reasons you experience pain in your life. One reason is because of sin. And I had some obvious sin in my life. What was that sin? Pride and arrogance. I thought that I could do it on my own. I thought that, hey, I can live a good life be a good father, good husband, good man, and even live a Christian life on my own. That I really didn't need the power of Christ. I didn't need Jesus to be a Christian. Kind of really odd, isn't it? Did you think that? But I did. I, I believed that lie. Very subtle. Once again, people looking from the outside wouldn't look at me and say that. Jesus was saying that to me, though. My response to sin... If you've got pain and you've got sin in your life, what's your response? Humility. You're bowing down before Christ. It's forgiveness, seeking forgiveness. And it's repentance. No longer sin. Turn from your sin and start walking a different way. But I had also other pain in my life. And that second thing that causes pain is when God's trying to correct us. You see, we have character flaws. I know it's, it's amazing that you think that I, that I don't have a character flaw. I know my wife says the same thing. You're this is, you know, perfect person and, and uh, you don't have any character issues. We're not talking about sin issues now. We're talking about character issues. We're talking about things that, that doesn't allow us to reflect the image of Christ in our lives. They could be things like, you know, I, I'm this very intense person. One of my personalities is intensity. And I am asking my family, my son, to live at a very high standard. And I'm running at high paces. You can see my flame. I am very intense. Now, I get up in the morning time, and I'm going uh, full pace. We're running hard uh, during the day. And not everyone lives that pace. My wife doesn't live that pace. She's not used to 
uh, running marathons. I don't want to run a marathon. She, on the other hand, wants to just sit and be together. And I'm like, shouldn't you be doing something? That's a character issue for me. I have to go, no, I just need to be with her and watch a movie. It's very difficult for me to do that. Because I'm not reflecting the image of Christ. Because Christ is asking me to love my wife as he loved the church. So what does that mean? That means that I need to, for many years of my life, I was trying to make her like me. Why don't you want to run? Come on. <laughs> Let's go. And he asked me to say, no, 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 no. There's pain there. Because this isn't working. I'm trying to make my wife like me. And I would say to her, why aren't you like me like I'm like me? <laughs> and that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying to me, son, you got a character issue here. Stop trying to make your wife like you. Because I made her beautiful in who she is. Let that beauty come out. And so I had to stop doing that. I, I had correction. So my response to that pain that I was experiencing in my marriage and my life, I had to approach it the same way, with humility. But the second response is different. The second response is, I've got to trust that God, that you're going to remove the pain in your time. And that's the hard part for me, where I've got to sit in that pain. Jesus continued on and he said, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Okay, so here's where kind of the rubber meets the road. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I realized I got nothing. Who I am in my humanity, which I thought was really cool and really good, who I am and what, my, what I am in my humanity is nothing. Who I am and what I am in Christ is something. If I'm abiding in Him, if I'm trusting in Him. So what does that look like for me to abide in Christ? Well, I'm a, a definition of abiding is really just trusting in Christ. It's being connected to Him. Well, I had gone through a period of life for about four years. I didn't open my Bible. I'm confessing. I didn't read my Bible. Why? Because I believed the lie that I had studied my Bible for 18 years. I knew the verses I had memorized, I lived, and I went, I believe the light of it. I know the Bible. I just need to live it out now. Was that true? Can I ever know the Bible? What did Jesus say about him and his connection to the word of Christ? I am that word. So by me closing my Bible, what was I doing? I'm closing my relationship with Christ. I'm not relating to him now. Well, I know you and I know your word. I'm just going to go live it out. It's a lie. Satan brought to me that lie. How do I connect to Christ? How do I stay in this abiding relationship? Well, obviously, you can get legalistic and you can say, oh, you got to pray and you got to fast and you got to do all of these things. If you look to the things, then now are you abiding? No, those are just all the ways that you relate to Jesus. Through fasting, through meditation and memorization, through reading his word, connecting to him and saying, Jesus, I want to know you. Through worship, through praise. This morning was beautiful. I love the fact that you guys are praising, but it's coming from you. It's coming from your student, from your heart, from, from a passion and a desire from within you to praise God. And through corporate expression, through being connected through a corporate body, through a church group, 
Okay? A corporate expression is how I connect to God. Now, why is it so important that I connect to God? Because he tells me that if I don't connect to him, if I don't do this, this is believers now. He tells me very clearly, he's going to throw you away as a branch. And it dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire. I want to tell you right now, I was that branch. I was cast away. I was doing from the outward appearance, I was doing a lot of good things. I was providing for my family. I was trying to, to live this thing out. Inwardly, oh, I was torn up. I had no joy. I had no peace. The fruit of the Spirit was not there. It was so far gone from me. I had dried up. And Jesus said, you're worthless to me in terms of what you're doing for me. My fruit is not being born in you. Now, Christ's last words to his disciples beckons us to at least pause and ask the question, am I abiding in Christ? Or am I just getting up in the morning time, brushing my teeth, eating my food, going through the motions, going to class, writing? Or am I connected to Jesus? Am I looking for him? Am I asking him for his grace and mercy and, and his power in my life? Am I looking for him in relationships through my parents, through my brothers and sisters, through my friends in class? If I'm not abiding in him, what does that beckon for me to do? I'm going to fall on my knees and I'm going to beg Jesus, please forgive me because, once again, can I be a Christ follower? Can I be a Christian and not abide in Christ? Can that happen? Yes, that was me. That was me. Does he want that for us? No, he wants us to bear fruit, doesn't he? He wants us to be communing with him. Okay? Ask him for forgiveness. Fall on your knees on a daily basis. I want to abide in you. If you are abiding in Christ, and his spirit is alive in you, it still causes me to respond, does it not? It causes me to respond and say, thank you, Jesus, for this moment. Today, I'm abiding in you. For tomorrow, I could fall away. Only by your grace and mercy and who you are can I experience your grace in this moment. Because do we know what's going to happen this afternoon? Because I think in America, we live in such a way that we go, we're going to live a long life. We're, we're going to have certain things that we expect, health. That, that no one's going to die before they're age 85? Well, do we know that that's true? Well, we have no guarantees of that. We have no guarantees. He may come back this afternoon. Am I living in such a way that I'm ready for that? Am I ready to go meet my maker this afternoon? I am right now. I wasn't four months ago. Four months ago when I entered into the kingdom of God? Yes. Would it have been painful? Yes. Okay. Am I ready to enter the kingdom of God today? Yes. Would it be less painful? Yes. <laughs> because Christ has wiped away my sin. And I am living for his kingdom and his kingdom's sake, abiding in him. And if it wouldn't have been for a brother, someone that was very close to me and could speak to me and say, you know what, you're not living for the kingdom's sake. I'm not smelling 
the sweet aroma of Christ inside of you. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. 2 Corinthians. How do I know if I'm abiding in Christ or not? It's to prove. It's to prove. And you know that. You know when someone's been walking with Jesus and they haven't been. Why? Because you're tasting their fruit. You can smell it. What fragrance are you giving off today? Is it a fragrance of Christ? Or is it a fragrance of me and my humanity? You've been listening to a message by Thad Mott from Grace University. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Thank you.